There's a cloud of many witnesses with Christ in heaven above. Watching as we run this race, they cheer us on in love. There are faces we have seen before and more we've never known. They fought the battles, took their stand. We reap what they have sown. So I'm not ashamed to claim the name of Jesus. I want to talk to you about a subject I spoke on in uh, 2004. I spoke on the same subject in 2004. What is that, 13 years ago? A long time ago. But I believe I'm, I need to do it again. I need to talk about it. Of course, no two sermons are exactly the same, but may the Lord give us wisdom to learn this phenomenally important subject I'm going to talk about tonight. That we are followers who became leaders while we were following others following Jesus. Father, help us tonight. Help the young people in this room tonight to get it, to understand what's going on. Father, help us to be, as we're some of us older folks, uh, to give a good example of what it means to be a Christian. And Father, may you just help us to end well, all of us in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. What makes a leader? Well, the text verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, you don't have to go to that yet, but what makes a leader? What makes a leader? A leader usually never wants to lead. Some of your best leaders never want to lead. They really don't want to lead. Example would be Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a billionaire. He had a, a lifestyle. He didn't need to. And in fact, he has harassed himself and changed his life forever by deciding to run for president of the United States. And he's changed his life in a very negative way. Before, he was not nearly as hated. He had, he had a number one, some sort of a number one show on TV. He was well received almost by anybody and everybody. Now he has divided uh, his friends and his non-friends. And, and really, his life's by far more in danger. And he has uh, maybe endangered his children's life and his children's, children's lives. But I believe he did it because he felt forced to do it. A good leader does not seek leadership. He simply wants to accomplish something good for God. Now I'm talking about in the Christian realm now. He sees a need that is pressing and requires, and this can be a female or male, but his or her attention. He usually follows the example, however, of someone else that's leading. He is led to lead. As Christians, we have someone who has forged ahead of us and given us an example. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, maybe the best place of all the scripture, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. These are people that are leading us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here's the clincher, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's the ultimate leader. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know Jesus dreaded becoming 
your sacrifice. You know that from Gethsemane. You know in Gethsemane he dreaded what he had to do. But he was, he was, in, he was, before the foundation of the world, the Bible says, he, they, the, him and the Father, they decided that this was the only method in which to redeem mankind before the foundation of the world, twice in the Bible. And so he led, but he didn't necessarily want to lead, but it was something that was necessary to do, so he decided to do it. Sometimes leaders will come to me and say, I'm, I'm struggling, I don't like it. Well, that's, that doesn't surprise me. Leadership is not a happy place. It's not a happy place. It's a hard place. It's a place of challenge. How can you explain a statement of Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, where he says, be ye followers of me. You look, the word of it means to imitate me. Do what I do. <coughs> in 1 Corinthians, our text in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, be ye followers of me, and this is the key, even as I also am of Christ. Don't follow the bad stuff. Don't pick up their carnalities. Don't imitate my weaknesses as a leader. But he's saying there, imitate my strengths. Imitate my overall direction. you got a man to, to be with anyone very long. you got to overlook their faults. And all, all the husbands said, Okay, let's start with the women. To stay married very long, all you women say, you got to overlook there. You got to overlook your husband's faults. You say when you first get married, you couldn't hardly name a fault. How is it now? You know, I like to talk to women sometimes and say, "Is there anything wrong with your husband?" She don't even take a piece of paper and a pencil out. She says, "Well, he's got this. He's got this. He's got this. He got now." I don't know about you, but it's not easier to memorize over five things. Well, some of these girls got 20 things that easily memorize. They can do them backwards, forwards, sideways. They can start in the middle and go down or up either way. That means they mold them things over, amen? I've had women come in to me with a look of disgust that I can't even, you couldn't duplicate, you couldn't fake, and say, I just hate the way he eats. That's a big problem. <coughs> because uh, that's something you're probably going to do. I hate the way he He, 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 when he when he drinks when he drinks uh, when he drinks juice he swishes it in his swishes it in between his teeth that just drives me crazy. Peaches told me one time about Tom. They're not here, so I'll talk about it. <laughs> and uh, Peaches said one Tom lost a tooth. If you don't know, he lost a tooth a lot right there, and. He got in a habit of sitting there, and if you watched him, he'd, he, it just felt funny to kind of suck in, blow out, and, that, and that, where that tooth wasn't, it would kind of go boom, 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 boom. And I, I vacationed with a guy. I picked right up on it. We'd be eating with him. Where's your list? We'd be eating with him, and we'd say, Tom, you're doing it. Oh, he was sitting there going, I can't do it. But, you know, one time I, I got a false front tooth here, and I got it knocked out. You never see me, you see me without my one tooth in the front here. I mean, it reduces your IQ 30, 35 points. <laughs> it does. It really does. I got it knocked out on Saturday night. I was preaching on Sunday morning. 
And rather than talk, call up some folks and say, would you preach for me? No, no. I get up here and just make myself stupid. Look. I mean, nobody believed a thing I said that day. Because when you talk without that front tooth, you lift. You lift. And you lift, but you can't help it. it the, the, the air goes out. Your, you think the air, but I don't know, you learn that. The air, you know, the, and Judy, I remember her on vacation. We vacation with her and say, Tom, I can't stand that. You got to get a tooth in there. Well, you had to get a, it's expensive, you know. You got to get a post and all of the stuff that goes with it. You know, you got a post. He says, man, I, so about for two years, that old boy didn't have a tooth there. And uh, she, but she, but you got to learn to overlook Look, you have to, we have to overlook each other's faults. It's just it's just fundamental to ever getting along or doing anything in your leader's faults. You got to be able to overlook them for the big picture. How could Paul say be followers of me? Be imita imitate me. And that takes a lot of courage to say to imitate me. I don't think Paul felt he was perfect. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians, he says in Philippians chapter 3, that he's striving for perfection. He had not reached it. He never claimed perfection. He never claimed total. He was struggling. He had struggles. And I don't think he's saying imitate, but he says, imitate me even as I follow Christ. Even in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, even as I follow Christ. He wasn't bragging about his abilities. Uh, he wasn't telling you imitate when he sinned or imitate when he, when he, when he did something wrong. No, never. Never. He was simply following Jesus, and in that following Jesus, he said, would you follow me like I follow Jesus? Follow me as I follow Jesus. Some of you remember a couple that were helped found this church, Jim and Beth McCullum. How many have a remembrance of Jim and Beth McCullum? Wow. Jim and Beth McCullum, were they, he was the original deacon. I can't tell you, one of the most spiritual men that I've ever worked with on a day-by-day -day basis was Jim McCullum, and, and Beth was spiritual likewise with him. What a couple. How many times I've been over to their house. How many times we sat together in deacons meetings. He was a, one of the first two deacons here. It was Ernie Stewart, Jim McCullum, and uh, Pastor McKinney and myself at most of the most of the meetings, four of us. And we, we had hard problems we had to go through. But Jim and Beth McCullum have been, had been following Jesus ahead of me. They were about 20 years ahead of me. And I have been following them as they follow Jesus while they were following others following Jesus. And so we tried to follow each other and encourage each other, and indeed they have encouraged me. Jim's in heaven now. Let's think of the illustration of riding a bicycle. Uh, not, that, not teaching my son to ride a bicycle. You, you don't want to follow that illustration because I was a little bad there, but in a typical, trying to teach your child or yourself to learn to ride a bicycle, it, it helps to be able to see somebody ride a bicycle. I mean, it really helps the visual. If you've never seen anybody ever ride a bicycle, and you got this two-wheel object in front of you, think about how strange it'd be. Say, now, we're going to get on a seat, we're going to pedal this, like, and we're going to... That would be like a lot of new information, right? But if you watch somebody get on a bicycle and struggle and fall... You've watched them fall. You've watched them, you know, like get lose their balance. You've watched all that stuff. You're, you, it's better. It's easier. I'm getting ready to, I'm renting a Harley-Davidson trike, uh, three-wheeled motorcycle tomorrow. And they made me sit down, even though I've ridden a motorcycle so much, they made me sit down and watch a seven-minute video where you don't get to rent. And uh, the seven-minute video basically was somebody riding a bike. 
and in the various situations and cornering and doing very, you've had a track and cornering and doing various things like that. It said, this is what you do and this is what you don't do. And it gave them, I'm, I'm following their lead. I'm following their lead. It's just smart. But it'd be harder to learn without somebody helping you. We need leadership. Um, Oscar McCullum, which was Jim McCullum's dad, I knew him before I knew Jim. Oscar McCullum was a great soul winner and loved to go door to door, loved to talk to people about Jesus, loved to help start new local churches. Oscar McCullum followed someone before him who was following Jesus. Jim, his son, followed Oscar as he followed Jesus, and then as Oscar followed Jesus, which were uh, people that followed Jesus before him. And then I followed Jim uh, McCullum as he followed Oscar McCullum, and Oscar McCullum followed other people that were following Jesus. And it just goes on and on and on. And we all follow one another following Jesus. Because Jesus is not here to show us how. I have never visually seen Jesus Christ. Do you know... I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that. But there's a special blessing for people who have not visually seen Jesus Christ and have not seen his miracles. A special blessing. You may be in that tonight. I think most of you probably are. That you're the ones who believed, not like Thomas, who had to touch it, and he never really did touch Jesus, didn't thrust his hand in his side, but when he was there and saw it, he said, I believe. He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, oh, Thomas, you wanted to see to believe, but more blessed are they that believe without seeing. Yes, I, I thought about that this, this week. Oh, I read through that passage, and I thought, that's me. That's you. Sometimes people say to me, if God would just manifest himself to me, if God would just show himself to me, if he'd just appear at the end of the bed, I'd believe. Well, you may believe, but it wouldn't be as good as believing without that. He said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And no sign will be given them except the sign of the sign of Jonah. What is that? Resurrection? If you won't believe on the testimony of the resurrection, I don't care if one were raised from the dead, you may not believe. That's what happened to the rich, uh, the, the, uh, the, the rich man in hell. He said, send my brothers back. He said, well, they won't believe Moses in the prophecy. They won't believe, even if one were raised from the dead. So people are really lying to themselves when they say that they have to have signs and wonders to believe. You believe by faith. And so we all are operating on the system of belief and faith and trust in the Word of God and in God, being led, of course, born of the Holy Spirit, and being led. And whether you maybe know this or not or like it or not, you're a leader. Someone, somehow or another, is looking to you for an example to follow. Why? We need examples. We need encouragements. It's so important for you old people to end well. It's so important for you old people not to blow it in the last inning, not to blow it in the last two minutes. Uh, some of you, some of you, uh, boy, I've seen this. Some of these old folks, uh, do some stupid stuff at the end of their life. Like their wife will die. And then they move in with some woman because they don't want to split the Social Security. God have mercy on your wicked, vile soul that you love money more than you love God. Because that's where it's at. Brother, don't you sell your soul for a few denarii. Denarii. 
or a little pe few pesos, you know. It's worth more than that. I had one guy, well, you don't understand. It would mess up our inheritance. Brother, you can go to a lawyer, and they can do prenuptials, and they can split your inheritance and her inheritance, and, and they would never have to do that with me much, but they would split the inheritances, and uh, at least you got that problem. And they'll split the inheritances and make it when you die that, you know, your stuff don't go to there and them don't go to you and they won't be fighting and taking guns out shooting each other at the funeral. Boy, people get nasty. But you know what? People are looking at you. You're leading. Oh, nobody's looking at me. Are you kidding? I'll tell these. Some of the, hey, man, I've been tough on some of these old folks. I mean, they come in my office asking for sympathy. They don't get it. I'll tell you what you need is a good whipping, and if I, oh, I'd love to do it. I don't leave it one that bad. Uh, I mean, they come in, you know, trying to alibi. Well, they got their reasons for doing what they're doing. There is no good reason to disobey God. There ain't no good reason to do wrong. I don't care how you twist your logic and how you try to twist the Bible to make it work. Brother, God's truth will not be twisted. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. And and brother, you're gonna you're gonna hate the decisions you made at the. Uh, what a horrible thing it is to live the Christian life and blow it that last inning, that last that last quarter, that last uh, few minutes. Because there's people looking at you, They're looking at you. By the time seventy years old. I would classify him as an old man. Why? Because David died at 72, and he was ripe of eight years, full of years. You look it up. Brother Tom, you've encouraged me by staying on the bus ride. It's encouraged my soul, because you're my older brother. I've encouraged my soul by looking at you still on the bus ride. It's encouraged my soul to see Brother Car Carbone Brother Carbone on the bus route for so long. He's Italian. He can, and he's on that bus route. So, I mean, it encourages me to see you folks teach the Sunday school for 20 years, 30 years. It encourages me to see you keeping your hand at the plow and supporting a local church. Uh, even though there's no perfect local church, never will be, never has been. If there was, if you entered it, you'd ruin it. I mean, you know, there's just no perfect local church. But you just were willing to overlook the faults because Jesus is for it. And he saved you, imperfect as you are. And he saves us, imperfect as we are. And he, he understands it. And brother, we're, we're examples to people. You're examples to When those old folks come in my office, they'll say, well, we're not going to get married because of Social Security confusion and all that other stuff. And I give them my little speech of love and money more than God and all this other stuff. My, I end it with, do you, don't, do you have grandchildren? Yes. What are you teaching your grandkids? Would you be okay with your granddaughter moving in with a boy and living with him? Oh, no. Well, you just told her to do it. Would you be good with your grandson moving in with a girl and living with him? No. Well, you just told him to do it. You have no credibility anymore. In fact, worse than that, you followed and you told them to follow the wrong example. Man. Man, people are following you. It says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 7, <coughs> so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. 
Now, don't follow those who aren't following Jesus. But the people who are following Jesus, even as they follow Jesus, in the degree that they follow Jesus, you follow them. Follow them. But be careful about looking too close, getting critical. But look at the big picture. Look where they're going. I mean, I've seen Jim McCullum lose his temper. I've seen him walk out of a deacon's meeting, slamming things down. I've seen all of our deacons almost, almost, uh, at, at carnal at times. That doesn't disqualify him from being a deacon. Now, no, those, they get right about it. They come back and say, that's not the way to behave, not the way to be. Man, I've been that way. They've been that way. We've all been that way, but we're all following Jesus, and we want to do the right thing. And so we look where they're going. Are they true to the Bible? Are they going after lost souls? Are they sacrificing their time, talent, and treasures for Jesus? Then follow them. It's the way to go. Follow their faith. Follow their <coughs> patience. Uh, Hebrews 6.12 says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hey, follow them who inherit the promises. Um, These, these people, oh, Jim and Beth, I observed these two people and decided I want to be like them. Brother Jim was kind of an upbeat guy. He'd go through problems. We'd somehow, the deacons being, we'd get kind of dark and discouraged in one of our discussions, and he'd say, oh, let's just go ahead and do it anyway. i say, go over to God. Let's do it. 23 years I worked with that brother shoulder to shoulder. 23 years we weathered storms and controversies. Challenges, attacks, discouragements, and disappointments. 23 years we saw victory, deliverance, miracles, obstacles overcome, souls saved, lives changed, and we saw God's hand in the process. I met with, met with this church when they met with the Shangri-La. We were renting a little place in the Shangri-La over there. Preached for them the third and fifth Sunday. They met together. I'm thinking maybe 15, 20 people in a room. Um, back then, if somebody moved by the door, you counted them. I mean, if a dog ran through, he's one. I mean, we we you know we'd, we we were get running 25 on a high day. Uh, we were renting this and renting that, renting the Methodist Church, renting the uh, Church of God. <laughs> it burnt down. I said Baptist preaching was just too hot. But um, you know, I remember we we went when God gave us this this uh, five acres here. Gave us this five. What a miracle out of heaven! We've walked through. God given us the five acres. We walked through building McKinney Hall together. We've walked through building the two-story together and seeing God raise that up. We've walked through the building of the auditorium. We've walked through the building of the gymnasium. We've walked through the addition to the land. We've walked through the missions program growing and growing and growing now to 106 missionaries. We've walked through God reaching more and more folks and passengers. We've walked together on this. We've seen God together. Let's keep at it. Let's keep at it. Now, I know we're getting ready to switch our crew out. I know it. We're getting old. I'm hearing a lot of my old buddies say, getting tired. Getting tired. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit till the devil has to take your shaking old hand out of, off, the, off the sword of the spirit. I mean, if the preacher comes up to you and says, you're shot, quit, you ought to quit. You know, the preacher comes up to you and says, Breach, you repeat the same illustration 20 times in a row. I didn't either. Then you need to quit. If the preacher comes up to you and says, you ought to give up your driver's license, do it. 
I mean, there are certain times when you've got to be able to listen. But, brother, a lot of times we want to get tired and discouraged and quit and take our hands off the pile too soon. God still has good years in you. And you're, you're teaching. What are you teaching? You're teaching people to endure. You're teaching people to stay with it. Your example is teaching people to, to not quit early. That the value of it's there. Follow us. Step up to the plate. Jump in. The water's fine. While we follow Jesus. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from heaven. In this simple sermon, as Paul says, be imitators of me. May we follow others as they're following Jesus. Father, we pray tonight that you'd encourage your people in the faith not to quit too early, not to stop too soon. Father, we just ask you that these young people would look and, and, and be able to say, I want to be a leader. Well, you are, whether you want to be or not. May they be willing to live in such a way as to be an example of what the Lord Jesus would be pleased about. That what they do at home in secret. The Bible says what you do in secret will be made public. Yeah. What you do in secret will be made public. What you whisper. Oh, God, help us to be pure at home just like we're pure out in public. Be honest at home just like we'd be honest out in public. Father, help us to be real through and through. Pleasing in your sight. Save America. Little gospel churches, gospel preaching churches all dotted all over this country from top to bottom, side to side. is the only hope of salvation for this country. Build your church that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Build us up in the most holy faith. Overcome the onslaught of the, of the apostasy of Christian rock music. Overcome the onslaught of the apostasy of immorality that has flooded into the church. Overcome the apostasy of, of watering the Bible down and changing it to where nobody knows what Bible to read. Overcome, Father, the apostasy that has attacked us. Because we know, Lord Jesus, in the end, we're following you. You're going to take us to the right place. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.